Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zenashe. I am a conduit, a coach, and a catalyst to building that better life. Um, a conduit provides a connection, a catalyst sparks change, and a coach kind of draws out hidden potential in a subject, whether that subject is the subject we're talking about or the person that they're coaching. Um, and so today, um, as a conduit, I am connecting you to Dr. Marsha Martin. And uh, we're going to be talking about being a free spirit. Um, we are in the month of April, and this happens to be National Poetry Month. Oh, um, and I am a poet. And um, as a poet, we definitely, most of us artistic people, believe in muses. We believe in um, inspiration striking us, not being able to necessarily control it, having to be uh, attuned to it. When it shows up, it shows up and you're happy. Uh, and you try to capture that inspiration and, and, and move with that inspiration, flow with that inspiration, um, and are very glad for that inspiration. And I think that, you know, that's part of uh, being a free spirit is being able to move when you're inspired to move and being able to flow with um, whatever inspiration is leading you, whatever guidance you're getting, you're getting from wherever it's coming from. So um, I think I'm going to start with asking you, Dr. Marsha Martin, what, what does it mean to you to be a free spirit? Wow. I think it just means uh, uh, finally allowing myself to be me, you know, so much of my life, when I look back, I often say to people, oh, I was the chameleon. I wasn't me. I was just whatever I needed to be to make someone else happy, uh, to calm the waters, to make it possible to be in the situation with the other person. So now at this juncture in my life, it is so wonderful to just figure have figured out who I am and not really care whether that is offensive to somebody else or not. That's the best thing. That's the most fun, I think, is just being able to say, yeah, I talked with angels. Jesus is my best friend. I have invisible energies all around me, just as you do. The only difference is I talk to them all the time and you may not know they're there. So <laughs> it's uh, it has been so freeing to be able to say, I go on walks just because sometimes it's easier for me to talk with the Angela community while I'm walking than when I'm sitting and having to write it out or, and that has just been, and uh, that is what I want for everyone who is here with us today, is to be able to say, take inventory. What am I? Who am I? What have I brought to share? What makes me happy? What brings me joy? And then begin pursuing that without worrying that you may be offending somebody else. If you are offending somebody because you have a talent or a gift or a personality quirk that is makes somebody else uncomfortable, then you simply need to find a new tribe, a new group of people that can honor you and love you as you are and not ask you to be something that you're not 
so that they can be comfortable. So that is, if I can offer anything, that would be just open your heart to you. And from that place of openness, uh, really explore who you are, the depth of who you are, the breadth of, of you. And by doing that, you will fall into that place, that place of alignment where the muse will come to you more easily and more quickly because you are not blocking it with any kind of, oh, am I good enough? Oh, I don't know if I um, should have this wonderful gift or this uh, ability. And, you know, I think it's just time for all of us, especially we as women, to stop and say, I am not chained to the house. I am not chained to the children. I am not chained to the kitchen. And I get to be or do anything that I want to be and do. And I'm going to encourage my children to do the same. Because if we don't set the example for our children that they can follow their heart to in whatever path it's leading them, then I feel that we're doing them a disservice. They came to express themselves, their uniqueness and their individuality. They came to give something of value to the world just as we did. And maybe we didn't learn until we were later that we were valuable, but we can sure teach our children right from the beginning that they are wonderful and valuable just as they are, no matter how they choose to express themselves. And for those people who are listening, who may have a child that has chosen an alternative lifestyle, please just embrace them as they are. They are a beautiful being. Don't squash the life out of that child because they are not following in your footsteps. Allow them to be themselves. Allow yourself to be yourself. And that's where you're going to find and receive and be able to share joy. Well, you said a lot and I, I wanna go back <laughs> to some of the things that you said. Um, one of the things that popped in my head when you were speaking about you know, children and letting them be themselves, you know, we tell children, oh, you can grow up to be anything, but we generally don't mean that. We mean you can grow up to have any job. But yes, we're not necessarily saying you can actually grow to be anything because the moment that some of these kids say, I want to be a writer, they're like, oh, no, that's not a job that's going to be, you know, be really successful or is going to be steady or I want to be an entrepreneur. No, you should get a job because, you know, man, people, you know, eight out of 10 businesses fail. You know, so a lot of people, um, they don't really mean you can grow up to be anything. They mean you can grow up to be what I want you to be that I think is going to be successful. And you can have these high standards for that doctor, lawyer, you know, um, someone who's got this nine to five that's lucrative, you know, college degree. Um, but they haven't really kind of taken those limitations off and said, OK, if this kid is called to be, you know, a dancer or an actress, they might be the next great dancer or great actress or great singer or great, you know, 
writer or whatever. Um, and so, I, you know, as a as an artist who kind of came into art when my kids left the nest, and I finally gave myself permission to be a free spirit and to follow something that I had wanted to do my whole life, that I had been discouraged from doing my whole life. Um, I kind of resonated with that, that you should let your kids, you know, follow their heart, uh, follow that inner guidance. And that idea that everyone was born unique. Everyone was born with a specific gift that only he or she could fulfill. And so if you steer them away from that path, you're basically steering them to a life of, of desperation, a life of frustration, because they're going to miss that. They're going to feel something's missing. They're going to feel like, man, there's got to be more to this than going to work and paying bills. There's got to be more to this than you know, yeah. getting the next gadget, you know, or getting the next pair of shoes or getting the next bag. There, there's just got to be more to life than this. And the only time they're going to begin to really feel purpose is when they start doing what they were brought here to do and to have the freedom to pursue that at an early age. And, and, you know, it's wonderful. I ran into a lady today and she has a nonprofit uh, called Twist for Girls, T-W-S-T. And it's like something like together we'll, you know, I can't remember what it stands for, but basically she started it in her twenties <laughs> and, um, and she is taking these young girls you know, on trips to colleges and she's taking them um, to all kinds of artistic events. And, you know, they, they're going on international trips and basically she's showing them this bigger, larger world than just the neighborhood mm -hmm. that they grew in, the school that they grew in. Um, she's showing them opportunity and trying to expand their horizons. Um, and, and I thought it was so beautiful. And I was like, man, to know that this is what you want to do in your 20s and to go for it. Yeah, so beautiful. I was like, ah, because, you know, I didn't start going for my dreams until I'm 51. I started going for my dreams about six years ago, you know, um, and it's like, and, and I've done so much in that time, but then it's like, wow, what would have happened had I given myself permission, as you said, given myself permission, not cared about what everybody was saying, not cared about disappointing people, but wanting to be true to myself, wanting to accomplish my purpose, you know, feeling that my highest calling was to do that and not my highest calling is to make my parents happy, you know, make my community happy, make my teachers happy, you know, fit in with my peers. I think a lot of people, they don't, they're not a free spirit because as soon as we start to become aware of ourselves, a lot of us want to just fit in. We just want to fit in. And we're scared, so scared of doing anything that's not normal, you know, whatever normal is. Um, and so just to, like you were saying, to give yourself that permission and to, to say, okay, I, I'm different. I'm unique. I have these different abilities or talents or drives or desires, but I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not doing anything bad. You know, I saw a video on TikTok where the guy said, if you're not creating victims, then follow your dream. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. If you're not creating victims, then follow your heart. Because if you're doing anything 
that's not creating victims. It's not hurting anybody. You're not, you're not scamming anybody. You're not stealing from anybody. You're not hurting anybody in any way. You know, their feelings or disappointment is not what he was talking about. He was talking about creating a victim. He was like, if you're not creating a victim, then follow your dream. Don't worry about what people think, what people feel. Just follow your dream and be that free spirit, you know? And, and let's and look at that. Who is that? Okay, you you haven't been creating any victims by uh, staying in the line and, you know, uh, following the leader and doing, as you said, making your parents happy or your teachers uh, not be stressed. But who is the real victim? Are oh, you wow. victimizing yourself by saying, I'm not worthy of having a life that feels good to me? Isn't that just the worst kind of pain that anybody really feels? That life of drudgery where you just get up every day because you have to and not because you want to. And I want, I mean, think of the world that we would live in if everybody was doing what you are doing and says, hey, I'm more than this box that I've created for myself. And mm -hmm. I'm going to give myself permission to start coloring outside the lines and exploring outside this box and knowing that at any time I can go back to who I was. If I just don't like being this free flowing being, mm -hmm. I can go back to being small. The small person will still be there waiting for me. It might feel a little tight to get back into that that suit like you put on a lot of pounds and it's a size way too small but give yourself permission to explore to get into the heart space and i always bring the angels with me because to me that is the easiest quickest route is to take these beings of love that see the big picture that see you as you truly are that see you as magnificent and perfect but yet on a journey of growth and they will help guide you toward this place of freedom that where you are not wondering when is life going to be fun or mm. when can I take a breath and just say, oh, that felt fabulous. And when is life not going to be about paying the bills? And I just so applaud you for recognizing that what you were doing wasn't enough and being willing to take the chance. And it's okay. You know, take the chance. If you decide you don't like it or you fail horribly, the worst that's going to happen is you find yourself sitting in a mud puddle and you have to get up and try again. It isn't a death sentence. It's a an opportunity, nothing more. It's nothing more than an opportunity. And I want people just to begin living their lives as though every day is a new opportunity to try something that has been calling to them that they have been afraid to explore. And then at the end of the day, evaluate, oh, 
I really enjoyed that. Or, oh, I never want to do that again. Either way, it's just this wonderful chance to come out of the place where you may have been held by the expectation of your family, of your society, of your ancestral line, whatever it is, it's okay to step outside and, and be you. And I think this also brings us to the place of all of these people that I work with who were fed such heavy doses of shame as children. And oh boy, um, when you get that divine perspective, the angelic view, that Christ-like vision of who you are, there is no shame. There is no blame. There is no, you're bad. There is only, ah, oh, welcome back. I'm so delighted that you're here. I find you to be so valuable and worthy. You are so precious to me. So if you have been fed shame, if you were blamed for things that didn't go well, I invite you now, actually, even better, I give you permission <laughs> to let it go. I'm going to give you permission to say, if I did cause hurt or harm to another person, but I didn't know that my actions were going to cause hurt or harm, I am now allowed to forgive myself and move forward in the better way that I know. If I caused hurt or harm to another person and I knew I was doing that, I am also giving you permission to let go of that. And instead of blaming yourself, ask yourself, mm. why did I need to hurt someone else? Why was I hurting so badly that I needed to respond to another person with the pain? Mm -hmm. Look at the pain, see what caused it, release yourself from the trigger, the thing that was causing you to be that way, and now move forward as a beautiful, free being and share love with everyone that you encounter. Oh, that is, that is beautiful. That is so beautiful. And again, you said so much, um, shame. You know, some people feel that shame is a good thing. It keeps us in line. You know, without shame, we would just be these wild people. And, you know, let's go with that for a minute. You know, there's an archetype of the wild woman, you know, and, and when the Puritans and the Christians came in, there were so many archetypes of womanhood. You know, um, there was the lover, there was, um, you know, the muse, there was the crone, you know, there was the maiden, there were all these archetypes, women could be all of these different things. And all of these things had a, had a name and had a, had a role and had a place and had a value. But then when Christianity came in, no, it was just, you know, you just need to be this godly woman, this Proverbs 31 woman, that's it. And um, focus on um, pushing the flesh down, repressing your fleshly urges. You can't trust your mind because that could be deceived. You can't trust your body because that's sinful. You know, you can't trust your heart because that's deceitful. You can't trust even your face because that could be vanity if you're too into that. You know, 
the only thing you can trust is God as we define God and this God that is going to say, you're a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. You should always be repenting. Um, and you have no value outside of your service to the church, outside of your, your flagellating yourself constantly and saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. You know? Um, so it's it, now religion has evolved somewhat in some, some cases to not be as punitive as it once was uh, to women, to people in general. But, you know, for me, I had to get away from a shame-based faith. I just, I was like, I can't, no, I can't accept this. <laughs> and the further I go back in history and look at books of faith, the less of that I see. I see that these books have changed over time. I see that they've been edited over time. I see that many things have been added to them over time. And the things were much and much, much more repressive and, and constraining. And so I'm, I'm going to go back to something predating that. I'm going to go back to, you know, the laws of Mayotte. I'm going to go back to divine laws. I'm going to go back to something that has no shame in it. It's about flowing with nature. It's about seeing how the world was created and saying, okay, there's a law of sowing and reaping. You know, there's a law of process. Things take time. You know, you put a seed in the ground, it's got to germinate. You know, there's, there's cause and effect. There's, there's giving and receiving. There's all of these laws. Okay, I can flow with that. And I can be free within all of these guiding laws to be the person I was born to be. And I don't have to have any shame about anything. I don't have to have any guilt about just the natural urges. You know, I mean, in, in Christianity, it's like, you're not supposed to enjoy eating too much. You're not supposed to enjoy sex. You're not supposed to enjoy. I mean, there were people back in the day who didn't even bathe because they thought that that was sinful to care too much about the body. You know, so, uh, you know, I remember reading the Scarlet Letter and one of the one of the criticisms that they had of Hester Prynne was she bathed. How dare she <laughs> bathe? How dare she bathe? You know, oh, my gosh. It's like when you think about these 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 mores and of course, mores have changed, you know, over time. But still, it's it's wow. Wow. Shame. Shame for bathing, for bathing. You know, so, you know, I, I realized I had to forgive the people in front of me, the people ahead of me and say they did the best that they could. But some of the lessons that they gave me were detrimental to me. And, you know, when my mom passed two years ago, I realized that she was the last link to everything that had, you know, all of my ancestors. I was now the top, the matriarch. And I realized that I was going to become somebody new. I realized that I was going to become somebody very different because when that last link was gone, now it's all on me to decide how I want to live my life. I don't have to answer physically to my mother for what I'm doing. She's not here anymore. Um, I don't have to answer to my father. I don't have to answer to my grandparents or my great grandparents or my in-laws. All of those people are gone. So you now no longer cause them shame. Yeah, it's totally on me. And I realized that, you know, as much as I miss them, as much as I didn't want them to leave at the time that they left, I realized it gave me some freedom to make different choices. 
And it challenged me to make different choices because I realized that there was a part of me that had been waiting, kind of banging on the doors to get out. Yes. And I was saying, let us out, let us out, let us out. And, and part of that was me cutting off all my hair and going natural, you know? Wow. About being a free spirit because there's a part of our society that says that me having curly, kinky hair is uh, shameful oh, and unprofessional. Wow. <clears throat> so, and, you know, I have found women who I'm 65, so we're in a similar uh, generational pool. I have found that those of us who have chosen to awaken in this lifetime, at this time, to really be willing to stand up and say, hey, we don't need to do it the way that it has been done. Mm. It is very much breaking generational karma that had become dysfunctional and that was holding us in a pattern that was not allowing us to move forward as a society as quickly as we should. And, you know, we are now in the Aquarian age. We are supposed to be a love-based unified society celebrating the divine that lives within each one through the Christ as the bridge. But yet we are shooting each other. We are passing restrictive laws and deciding who is good and who's bad. And it is so important that you and others like you that are not afraid to get up and say, hey, this doesn't feel good. This isn't who I came to be. This isn't what I want to express for my children. It is so important that we unify, that we have these discussions, that we are not ashamed to stand up and say, religion failed me. Even though I am a metaphysical minister and my dissertation was on conscious-centered living, religion failed me horribly because it tried to tell me that everything that I was was shameful and everything about me that was failing was my fault mm -hmm. and that my only real purpose here was to see myself as a sinner instead of seeing myself as a whole being. And are we forgetting that the definition of sin is make a mistake? So, I mean, you know, if we use the definition of make a mistake to be what sin is, which is really what it is, then yeah, I'm a sinner morning, noon and night. I make <laughs> mistakes all the time. Actually, I enjoy making a mistake because I learn so much from the process. Now, there are days when I'm like, oh my God, if I don't get it right, at some point, I'm just going to give up. And usually that's when I remember, hey, I can call on the angels and get advice. But, you know, being able to make a mistake and not feel that I am now unworthy because of it is my greatest joy and the greatest freedom that I have granted myself in these years of 
being here. So that's another thing. I'd love to give everyone permission to begin making mistakes and not apologizing for them. Mm. Unless you feel that your mistake impacted somebody else in a negative way and the apology is appropriate, but it's no longer necessary to say, oh, I'm so sorry for something that was just a mistake. It's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to have to do something again and again and again to understand its fullness or to never be able to fully understand something and have to go to someone else for help. Mm. Isn't that part wow. of the journey is saying, yeah. gosh, you do something beautifully better than I ever could. Come help me be part of my team. I'm sure I do something better than you. And doesn't life get richer when we share? And isn't that what being a woman is all about? Women well, are so much better at gathering. <laughs> that's true. But you know, even I, I told you before we started that I did a show on feminine energy. And um, I remember being a little girl. I remember watching my grandmother. She would get up, she would make breakfast. Um, she would, we would clean up breakfast. Um, the kids, we would get to go watch TV or, you know, play. And she would already be getting stuff ready for lunch and uh, working in her garden. You know, sometimes we work with her and then she would prepare lunch. And then, you know, we would clean up lunch and we would go play and relax and do something as kids. And she would already be getting stuff ready for dinner. You know what I'm saying? And, and then yep. um, she, she would serve dinner and then it was time for her to go to bed because she had a full day to do it all over again. And I remember <laughs> um, being a little girl and saying to myself, she does nothing but work. And it doesn't seem that anybody really appreciates her. I tried to show mm -hmm. my appreciation, my love for her. But I remember I was probably 11 or 12 and my uncle took all of us as the family to a restaurant with Landry Seafood. We had this big room in the back. It's my uncle, his wife, my cousins, my grandmother, me, you know, and I remember her saying, now my grandmother had to be in her fifties, if not older. And she said, this is the first time that I have been to a restaurant and I'm sitting down having someone serve me. And she was 50 something years old. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking to myself as a little girl, if that is womanhood, I don't want it. <laughs> I do not want it. I do not want to be cooking and cleaning all day. And then I have to wait till my son takes me out. And to be so doesn't even do it. Eh, to be underappreciated oh so it was it was so and and we talk about many people on facebook on instagram why don't our marriages last like our grandparents marriages well because my grandmother was willing she was taught it was her job to serve and yeah. she served and i'm not saying that there's not a beauty in serving there is a beauty in serving but there's also a beauty in receiving service too and and it being reciprocal um so, you know, there is amazing, um, I, I wanted more. I didn't want that life. And, and 
you know, I kind of struggled with my femininity because I didn't want anybody thinking that I'm going to be just their servant and just be here to serve them all day long. I do want to serve. I do want to, I like to cook a meal for a man. I like to, you know, keep my house pretty clean. I like, you know, I like to do these things, but I do want every now and then you clean up something, you cook something. (laughs) I don't want to do it all. You know, I don't want to do it all. So, um, you know, that was, it, it was so devastating as a child to see people who were taken for granted and, and not appreciated. And it was seen as their role. It was seen as their job. It was seen as their duty. Um, and I wanted to be, I wanted to be freer than that. Um, I wanted to be able to enjoy life more than that. And not that my only value, I saw this other video on TikTok. I, and even though I'm mentioning these things, I guarantee you guys, I'm not on TikTok and Facebook all day, but I just happen to see stuff every now and then. But this woman said, um, she said, women are praised for what they do. You know, when they go, you see them at their kid's game. Oh, she's such a good mom. But if you do something for yourself, nobody says, you're such a good mom because you're training for a marathon. Look at how, you know, you're training so hard. That makes you a good mom. It was all about giving of yourself and service. And she was like, and, and women are, when they try to do things for themselves, many times it's seen as selfish. It's seen as taking away from their husband their family, and even single women who have chosen not to have kids are told, why are you so selfish? Oh, wow. (laughs) Just because they chose not to give birth or get married. It's seen as being selfish. Like they don't have the right to choose to live an individual life. And once again, it's like, give me permission, realize I'm an adult and I can make a choice. I don't have to join myself with someone and I don't have to give birth. I have given birth and I have been married twice, but at this point in my life, I'm not planning to give birth to any more babies. (laughs) And I I am, I'm in an open relationship and I'm not planning on committing to be exclusive at this moment in time, you know? So, and, and it's to give yourself permission to say, Hey, this, I've done the monogamy thing. Right now, that's not something I want to do. And, and, and to be a free spirit and say, I'm going to try something different. Like you said, I can always go back to the other if it doesn't work. But right now, I want to try something I've never tried before. I want to try something different and see how this fits. You know, and um, I, I'm going to bring up one more video that I saw the other day. And, and then I want to ask your, your, your ideas about some other things. I saw Damon Dash talking to someone, um, a, a basketball player, and he asked him, what is your dream? And the guy said, well, I'm living my dream. I'm successful. He's like, no, that's not a dream. That's a feeling. You know, that's, that's a state of being. He was like, what is your dream? And he goes, to be an actor. He said, that's not a dream either. That's too vague. He was like, you can act right now. He was like, I'm going to walk across the room. I want you to pretend that the guy next to you is talking to the girl you want to talk to, and you're going to argue with him about it. And they did a a one minute scene right there. And he was like, you just acted. Now your dream is true. You know, he was like, you got to have a bigger dream than that. You got to give yourself permission to have a bigger dream. And he was like, well, that's not being realistic. He goes, a dream is not realistic in a dream. You can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You give yourself freedom to explore. He was like, you don't have a dream that you get a car and then wonder about what gas prices are going to be in the dream. 
He was like, you just enjoy the car in the dream. <laughs> he was like, so I want you to dream. I want you to paint that dream as, as vividly as you can. I want you to think about how you would feel in that dream, how everything is going to go right for you in that dream, how everything is going to be beautiful for you in that dream. And then I want you to be, to realize that actually you can make that dream come true. And you have a lot more opportunity than the average person. You're already in the NBA. You know, <laughs> you already have people who would give you opportunities that they wouldn't give anybody else. And he was like, and there is no downside. If you go out and you don't do so great at um, being an actor, people are going to say, well, he's just an NBA person. You know what I mean? He, that's not his primary field anyway. They're going to give you grace. Yes. He was like, there's no downside. Just do it. Whatever you want to do, just do it. Realize that you have already accomplished more than many people will in their entire life. You are part of the elite already and you've already accomplished more. So give yourself freedom and stop worrying about being realistic. He was like, it's not realistic to be sitting where you are right now. Think of all the children who wanted to be NBA stars and didn't get there. Oh, so you're yeah. already living the dream. So go ahead and let yourself be free to take it further. And I, and I was thinking about that and I was thinking, no matter where we are, let's say most people who are watching this and listening to this are in America. In America, you have a lot of opportunities. We got a lot of problems, but poverty in America is not like poverty elsewhere. There are people living on a dollar a day work elsewhere, a $2 a day elsewhere. All right. In America, I don't know anybody living on a dollar a day, $2 a day. Even minimum wage is much more than that. So we're already in a sense living the dream. Many of us have high school educations. Only about 7% of the world has a high school education. You know, wow. there's 14% of the world that can't even read. Most of us can read, you know, most of us have a roof over our head of some kind. So we already in a sense are living the dream, but we are so limited. We've not given ourselves freedom, even though a lot of us have a job, and we could take some of that extra time that we spend, in, like I said, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, and actually explore some of our dreams. You know, I'm getting ready to retire from my nine to five, you know, in the future, soon, not soon, soon, but soon. I've been working on my exit plan for three years. And there's no downside because as you said, you know, and as he said, I've already, I'm already living the dream. You know what I'm saying? I'm already at a point where I can retire, you know, in my 50s. That's a dream that a lot of people will never accomplish. I've already gotten a podcast that's got subscribers all over the world. I've already released two best-selling books. Whatever else I do, it's just icing on the cake. So I should push myself. Like he said, dream as big as I can dream, be as free as I can be and try to go for as much as I can go for and try to get whatever is in me out, you know, because what is the downside? If I don't do well at it, okay, look at all the things I already accomplished. I didn't do well at that. I, I'm not going to be a you know success at everything. I made a mistake. Okay, let's keep moving forward. If I do well at it, hallelujah, thank God. You know, thank all the people that supported me. So, you know, for people, I would, anybody listening, wherever you are, man, just 
give yourself freedom to have a dream, to follow that dream and, and to realize how far you've already come, how many obstacles you've already gone through, the things that you've accomplished that are already putting you in an elite space, you know, and that you have all of that that you've gained along the way that can help you with that dream. You know, so it was, it was a powerful speech that he gave and it kind of just made me feel like, okay, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And, and I would say that you say that to people too, that you, you know, you were talking about us being in a certain age and, and trying to, in a sense, be a role model to show people it can be done. You know, um, I'm not perfect but I can show you that you can step out on faith. I can show you that I have stepped out on faith. You know, I can show you that when you step out on faith, you get so much help from the universe. I wrote my memoir, Seven Years of My Life, is about dating and relationships, but it's also about every person that came in my life when I needed help. And you talked about- wow getting help from people because every time I needed help, whoop, the universe sent somebody and there they appeared and they opened doors for me. And I was like, wow, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have been able to do this without so-and-so, without my mentor, without my co-host, you know, without the people who spoke in my ear and kind of sometimes even cursed me out and was like, what are you doing? You know, get out your head. You know what I'm saying? Um, sometimes you need that tough love. Um, so I'm grateful, so grateful. And I wrote a book honoring that journey of all of the people that came in my life that freed me because I needed to be freed. I needed to throw off a lot of these bonds of, of religion, of tradition, of all the norms that we are socialized to follow um, and I needed to throw that off so that I could actually become my best self, you know? And so it's a, it's a beautiful journey. And, and I know that you, you have a whole, you said you're a metaphysical minister. So I would like you to tell us a little more about like what you do and how you help people um, and how people can, you know, get in contact with you. Cause I know you have resources to help people to go on this journey to becoming a freer, more self-actualized person. So I wanted well, to give you time to do that. <laughs> it is so incredible, like you said, because the universe just, you know, it, but first I want to say one thing, you are perfect. When you are seen as the divine see you, you will see that you are perfect. What you are not is complete. But the point of the journey, the reason that we choose to come into physical bodies and go on these journeys and have these challenges and learn to expand or contract, depending on what our choices are, is simply because we are not yet complete and our quest is to be as the divine is. Mm. So they see us as perfect they understand that we're not yet complete. So they have absolutely no shame when we try something. They're just, yay, you're trying. <laughs> They're so excited. And they want to come and help us and lift us beyond where we are with just 
the bare acknowledgement from us. Yeah, I think I'm ready to, you know, climb out of this hole that I've been in for all these years. And whatever it, whatever hole it might be, whether it is a marriage or a job or just your role in the family, if you're ready to move beyond, they can help you do it with love so that you are not trampling all over others that you may love, but just don't feel that you can stay within the box. Mm -hmm. It's okay to leave situations, families, marriages, and uh, other places where you no longer fit. You can make a new role for yourself as soon as you give yourself permission to be you. But staying in a situation that is making you unhappy, believing that you need to make that sacrifice in order to please God or please somebody else is just not necessary any longer. We are so much further beyond that than we used to be. It's okay now to say, this isn't working and it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's just, I have decided to grow. Perhaps you have decided not to grow or you don't want to grow or it's uncomfortable for you. That's okay. I still am going to honor myself and grow. Now, as a therapist, I specialize in abuse. So I see some of the worst of the worst of the worst kind of abuse. But I also get to see some of the most beautiful individuals in the world because most of the people that come to me are empathic, which means they are highly sensitive beings who just want to love. And in order to love and be loved, they thought they needed to put up with abuse or trauma or something else. And so, it is so wonderful for me to be able to lead them forward. And sometimes the marriage gets stronger. Sometimes the marriage breaks apart. Sometimes the family unit gets stronger. Sometimes it breaks apart. There's no one right way to do it. There's only the way that is honoring to you and to all of the other individuals that you may be in a group with right now. But we need to remember that when the divine step in, they don't choose Zen over Marsha. They don't choose Marsha over Zen. They say, what is the highest good for all of the people involved in this situation? What's going to give them the most growth, the most opportunity to align with their heart and really make a difference for themselves and for the world? And that is what you're going to be presented with. Like you, my marriage ended. I could have looked at that and said, oh, what a failure. But instead, I'm choosing to look at that and say, that was a beautiful period that ended, and now I'm in another beautiful period and delighted to be here and to honor myself where I am now. So I'm going to give everyone permission again today to just look at where you are and see, does it feel good? If it doesn't feel good, start looking at what you can do to bring in a situation that will feel better. 
But if it feels good, honor yourself and say, wow, I'm so proud of me for getting to this place. I love myself so much that I'm allowing myself to experience joy and to really live a life that speaks to my heart. If it's not feeling good, then you need to begin doing the work of unraveling what is causing the pain. Take a look, go into the heart, call on your angelic helpers, and begin understanding that you deserve to live a life that is filled with joy and love and peace. And if you are not in that situation, it's okay to begin looking beneath the covers and say, what's wrong? What is it that's missing? Or what is it that has become unworkable that I need to move away from so that both parties or all of the parties will have the opportunity to be in a situation where they do feel good. Because I guarantee you, if you're in a situation that's hurting your heart, you're not the only one that's hurting in that situation. Others may not be brave enough to acknowledge it, or they may be caught in their own trauma reenactment and believe this is the best it can be. So when you make a choice to honor yourself, you also are giving others in the relationship permission to honor themselves. Now, they may blame you for it, but it's okay then to say, I need to look at what part I did cause, what do I need to own, and I can be apologize for that. But I also need to recognize that they have their own part that they played, and I don't need to take the weight of their disappointment unless I can see that it was caused by me. So please be honest, but don't assume that because you are the empathic being in the relationship, that you are the only one that is responsible for causing pain. Or that you need to stay in a relationship that is causing you pain because you can feel their pain. Instead, call on the divine for help and then open your heart to receive it. You are going to have to clear away all of the trauma and the pain and the limiting beliefs and the negativity that you've accumulated over the years. Otherwise, you're just piling beautiful golden good on top of trash and you're not really going to achieve much so take out the trash don't be afraid to take out the trash take out the trash look at it Woo! look at this oh these are all things that you want to avoid moving forward don't blame just look observe be aware so that if that trash comes tries to come back in the door you can say you know i'm not there anymore that doesn't honor my heart, and I don't need to receive that. If you'd like to come back and be in this elevated place where I am now, you're welcome, because I am always open to loving relationships, but I'm just not going to do it the old way anymore. And you will either help everyone raise up, or you will help them disperse and find somebody else that may be a better teacher to them than you've been able to be. 
Either way, it is exactly what you need to be doing. But if you insist on trying to be, bring good in without clearing away what you've accumulated in the past, you're not going to make very much progress and you may think you've failed. You haven't failed. You just didn't understand that bringing good on top of bad just makes the bad a little less smelly, but it still <laughs> smells. So you know, you, I know you, you've been there. <laughs> I have been there, you know, and, and one thing that I will say this, having gone through a divorce uh, twice, um, when I went through the first one and when I went through the second one, there was a process of who am I now that I'm not a wife? Right. Um, and that can be a scary question. And a lot of people, I believe, sometimes stay in situations because they don't want to have to redefine themselves. They don't want to have to give up the roles that they're comfortable with. They know how to act in that role, even though they may be hurting, even though they may be sad, even though they may be even miserable, they know how to do it. And the whole idea of, of what do I do next or how do I deal with this or I'm going into the unknown is, is so scary to them that they would rather stay where they are. Um, and, and I would encourage those people, you know, if you're not happy, don't don't think that the future is worse think that the future could be better than you ever expected. Because once you leave that situation, as scary as it may be, you have the ability to recreate your life, to change many things, not just, not just the I'm now single and I'm divorced. That's just one thing, but you can change so many things about yourself, about the way you think, the way you feel, and um, I'm reading this book called uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. Wow. And he also has a book called Evolve Your Brain. In this book, he says that we think that, you know, personality is a set of traits. It is, but it's not. It's a wiring of the brain. You know, when we do something habitually, our brains actually wire to do that thing. And the more we do it, the more they wire to do it. And the, the faster those circuits become. So it's like if you're playing piano. First time you play it, oh my gosh, it sounds horrible. You're clunky. You can't, you know, you don't remember the placement of your fingers. Everything feels weird. And then you keep practicing. Till eventually you could literally play it in your sleep and you're doing it almost subconsciously. Same thing with driving. First time you drive, you're nervous. You don't know where your hands go. You don't know where your feet go. How am I going to be able to move my foot from brake to gas? I mean, that seems like that would be hard to do. You know, you have all these questions. And then most of us who've been driving for a while, we can get in our car and we get somewhere. We don't even know how we got there. We don't even remember the trip because it's become subconscious. Our brain is actually wired to do that so that we're in actually kind of asleep. Even though our eyes are open, we're actually kind of in a trance kind of doing it. And so basically he was saying that a lot of us get so into our roles that we don't even realize that we're walking around in a trance and that everything is subconscious to us, that we're just going through the motions. And then we get some jolt, usually tragedy, um, some kind of uncomfortable situation and it jolts us out of that trance. And then we're in adrenaline and fear mm -hmm. and, 
all we have to do is realize that whatever we were doing before that was so weird and so hard and so difficult over time, it became seamless and easy to where we could do it in our sleep and all changes like that. So we don't have to fear the unknown. We don't have to fear the change. We can realize, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yes, it's going to be weird. Yes, it's going to be clunky and possibly a little difficult at first. But as I do these new things and try these new behaviors, over time, it's all going to become just as normal and natural to me because I will have broken the habit of being myself and I will have actually created a new self and my brain will actually be different. And that's an amazing thing. The way our brains are right now is the person we are right now, but we can change our brains and we can change the wiring in our brains. We can change the way we think. We can change the way we feel. Some people are in a habit of being negative all the time. They can rewire their brains to be positive. They can rewire their brains to be grateful, you know? So just because you've been doing something 50 years doesn't mean you got to do it the next 50 years. You can become a free spirit. You can free yourself from those limitations. If it's not working, stop doing it. You know, do something different. <laughs> you know, if it's not making you happy, then try something that might make you happy. You know, I wrote a guided journal when I started the podcast as energy. We were in COVID. We had just gone into quarantine and I felt like I had lost everything. And then I said, well, I don't believe I've lost everything because yes, the world is shut down, but I'm still here. I'm alive. I'm healthy. What do I have? Oh, okay. I still have all the traits that I had. Well, what are those? And I started writing them down. I still have all those things. Hmm. None of that was taken away from me. So why am I feeling lost? Because I'm focusing on what I don't have versus what I do have. And I'm not tapping into using what I do have. So how can I tap into using what I do have? Well, people say I got a nice voice. People say that people like talking to me, that I am good at conversations. They say I should have a podcast. What's a podcast? I don't know. Let me find out what a podcast is. <laughs> let me go on. Let me Google. Let me take a class. Okay. I know what a podcast is. I know how to do it now. Okay. I've got topics. Let me start doing it. And I didn't know anything about podcasting. I had to take a class. I didn't know anything about being in front of a, a stream yard camera or doing any, you know, I had to learn it. So we can just take one step and then take the next step and take the next step. And then as we're doing that, we're freeing ourselves from the limitations that we had from the person that we were, you know, from depending on certain things to give us our identity and realizing we have a bigger, broader, wider, more unlimited identity that's available to us, you know? And so um, doing that, you know, people said, hey, you talk about journaling. Can you teach me how to journal? Yeah, I can teach you. Here you go. I wrote a guided journal. It's short. And how did you change? What did you do? Why didn't you have a poetry book? And then here we go. Plenty of guppies and other dating misadventures. That's my poetry book and my prose memoir. So out of the place where I was feeling lost, feeling overwhelmed, feeling hurt, feeling 
disappointed, um, I decided to do something different. I decided to free myself from all those feelings. I decided to jump out on faith and say, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write another book, you know, and um, it was very transformative. And so giving yourself permission to do something different, to do something new, to break away from those norms, you know, is, is powerful. Um, so I wanted to come back to you and I wanted you to let the people know where they can find you. And, um, you know, so we can kind of wrap up this great episode that we just had on being a free spirit. So let, let people know where they can find you. Absolutely. But I just want to say you are really describing the process of clearing and healing the heart. And mm. that's what the divine taught me when I was finally, you know, it took them so many years of knocking on the door before I was finally on my knees just saying, whatever it is that I need to do in order to understand what it is that I am missing, I am now open to doing. And you also talked about rewiring the brain. The heart is actually your central point of intelligence. The heart mm -hmm. is holding all of that trauma. And when we have these habits and we have this uh, hamster wheel of this is me going on, it is based on all of the experiences that have been impactful that we have stored in the heart, which rules the subconscious and is there protecting us so that we will not have these bad experiences again. We have the rah, rah, yes, this went well experiences. And when those come up, brain lights up and we're all excited to join on. And then we have the fear-filled experiences that when those light up, when they get triggered, we are looking to hide from them because we don't want to re-experience the pain. Mm. But by doing that, we are creating a very narrow pathway on which to walk. So when we clear and heal the heart, which is the therapeutic work that I teach people, when we do that, when we clear and heal the heart, you have a fresh canvas. Mm. And then what we do is paint on that canvas immediately with all the colors of the divine so that you are moving from this beautiful place of love and acceptance into the world instead of a place of shame and blame. And so for anybody who wants to leave a situation, as you said, and, and you're faced with these questions of, well, who am I if I'm not a, a wife or a person who works at this job or a person in this school, reach out and get help from a therapist, a support group, a, a group of like-minded people. It is scary. Don't try to brush that under the rug and say, oh, I'm just being silly. No, it is scary, but it, there's no reason to stay just because it's scary. There's mm -hmm. just every reason to reach out and get help from someone who's already made the journey and can help you successfully make your journey too. So I love the journey into the heart. I spend more time in the heart than I do anywhere, which as a former psychologist with a, my master's in educational developmental psychology, I thought the brain was where it was at. 
And when they showed me the journey of the heart, I was the most skeptical being on the planet because <laughs> I was just like, oh no, the heart has really let me down. I don't want to go on this journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's the journey to yourself because it ends in the divine center, the sacred center of your heart, where the divine is, where your connection to the divine is, where your truth is. It has nothing to do with emotion. Mm. It has everything to do with wisdom. Mm. And wow. I mean, my heart used to run only on emotion and it got me into some very bad scrapes. <laughs> and um, I just thought when they presented this to me, oh Lord, now what have I gotten myself into? You know, my heart just, bleeds for every being on the planet and except myself for myself i've got a lot of blame and shame and correction and all that stuff going on so uh i don't want to do anything in the heart that would be terrible and it was the greatest freedom the greatest escape and the greatest joy that i've ever known and an introduction to what unconditional love really is. Mm. I don't know that I'm there yet. Until I am as the divine is, I will still have moments where I am loving with a condition. But oh my gosh, just to get a glimpse of what it's like to be a loving be My website is mmhearthealer.com. It's M like Marsha, M and then another M, Marsha Martin, mmhearthealer.com. And I have so much free material there for you on the website. I blog, I have YouTube, or you can join my Patreon community and either do self-help where you will be able to go at your own pace and just study all of this work that the angels have given to me and that I am gifting to you, or get in one of the group counseling programs and then get support, or go even deeper and do one-on-one -on -one counseling. And it's like the rocket ship to success. It completely changed my life and is continuing to change me, to make me more, to ask me to be more, to do more, and to enjoy more. Because at the end of the day, I realize, oh, I have so much, my life is so much more fun than it ever was before. So it's a wonderful, fabulous life that I never knew existed that I am offering to absolutely everyone. Well, that's awesome. And thank you for being here. And I want to thank everybody who has joined on Facebook and who will join later. Um, all the clips that'll go out from this later, you know, you may be seeing clips. So you can see the whole episode if you're just seeing a clip. You know, you can listen to the whole episode. So Zenergy is this podcast, Z-E-N-N-U-R-G-Y. That stands for the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. You can find it on 25 streaming platforms. I am Zenashe. That spells Z-E-N-A-S-E. So you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, you know, all over the place. 
Um, and so thank you for joining us for talking about being a free spirit. And I want to thank you guys. You can also find my books on Amazon. I have two books. One is a guided journal called Energize Your Life Volume 1. And that has A concepts where you, you know, you deal with A concepts like attitude and abundance and you do journal activities with that to get in touch with yourself, to have gratitude, reflection, um, affirmations, goal setting, all kind of different prompts. Every day that you come to it is totally different. Um, it taps into the right and left side of the brain, taps into all kinds of different ways of learning. And then my memoir, my poetry prose memoir, Plenty of Guppies and Other Dating Misadventures is also on Amazon. So it has lots of poetry in it. Um, all of the changes that I, I talked about, you know, in detail over the last seven years of my life. How did I go from being depressed and feeling like I didn't know myself at all to the person you see today? You can see the blow by blow in that book. Um, so I want to thank you guys for joining us and may you walk in synergy. Zenashe, a newly divorced 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery, while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern-day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children. Thank you.